Well, we are continuing on in this series called Home for Christmas. And as I mentioned last week, celebrating Christmas this year will be very different. But for that reason, I also want you to know that there is a wonderful, very special Christmas Eve worship service planned for you. And my prayer is that you will join us online for Christmas Eve worship, but not just you. I also want you to think about your family members, uh, even those who may be out of state, or friends or neighbors, co-workers. Maybe you know somebody who doesn't feel comfortable leaving home. Maybe you know somebody who doesn't even have a church home. But invite them to watch as well, to join us online for Christmas Eve worship. Because even though we won't be able to physically be together, we can worship together in spirit and truth and praise our God for his amazing gifts of a joy experienced, of a peace delivered, of a hope restored, and a love freely given in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now just as a quick review, two weeks ago we started this series by looking at a joy experience. The fact that because Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas, we, we can experience joy. The, the, the joy of knowing that we are recipients of God's grace and mercy. Last week we talked about a peace delivered. How Jesus came to deliver us, not just peace with God, but that peace of God inside of our hearts, as well as the ability to live at peace with one another. Today, I want to continue and look at a hope restored. Now, hope is one of those things that is just, it's kind of curious, but it is a basic essential for all humans to survive. And I don't know if you've been watching the news or not, but my goodness, it seems like there is a sense of hope on the horizon, right? With the development of the vaccine for COVID-19 and with it being distributed as early as this week. I, man, I, there's hope. And, and that's something after we've endured this, this, this terrible year, we need that hope. We want that hope. There is this glimmer of light on the horizon. And, and I think people are excited about that. Hope. I mean, hope is essential for our existence. Along with mentioning to you that Christmas is going to be a little bit different this year, last week I also mentioned that uh, throughout this series and for Christmas Eve, we have the privilege of being able to listen in to some of the members of our Royal Redeemer family as they share their stories. <clears throat> and today, you're going to meet Nick and Courtney Meyer. Nick and Courtney are expecting their first baby. It's going to be a boy, and she is due December 23rd, so coming up quick. Um, but in this video clip that you're going to watch, you'll hear them explain, uh, among other things, the hope that they have and that they are feeling right now. Let's watch. I'm Nick. Uh, this is my wife, Courtney. We've been married uh, just over four years now. Fun story is I actually didn't want to date her. Uh, she was an awesome friend. <laughs> and then uh, we were uh, skiing out in Killington, Vermont. And I just saw her face. I was like, yeah, we're going to start dating. And then uh, probably about, about a year later, mm -hmm. uh, we got engaged. And 10 months later, we got married. Yep. <laughs> when you know, you know.
We are due December 23rd of 2020. <laughs> getting clothes ready and washed. Yeah. Hospital bags getting packed, car seats in the car. Yeah, all that stuff. Getting the last few things that were like, oh, we probably need that. We've been, I guess, preparing more than uh, we were beforehand when it was like, oh, we have time. So now it's, it's more of like the home run stretch type of thing. Gives me hope, she'll say when we're at church, oh yeah, he's moving around a lot. When we pray at night or we'll do our um, devotional, he'll be moving around. And so that gives me hope that's like, well, it's really kind of cool. One thing that we've been doing is just praying for him to be healthy. So, I mean, in that aspect, it gives me hope that, you know, baby will be safe and healthy when he, when he gets born and there's no complications throughout the whole delivery or anything like that. So, I mean, that part, that, I'm hopeful there. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, this year, I mean, Christmas is going to be different just because of everything else going on, but adding a baby to it is an extra step. Um, so, yeah, this year, it, it, It'll be interesting. We might be in the hospital. We might be able to see families still. Who knows? Um, but moving forward, yeah, just being able to see the excitement of someone who's never had Christmas, being able to create our own traditions, going and picking out a Christmas tree together and having those memories and stuff. It'll, it'll make things more exciting for us and then exciting for you know the little one as as he as he grows up and everything. So it'll be. It'll be fun to see what comes next afterwards. So. Yeah, I think I'm ready to do this whole parent thing. <laughs> we're, we're nervous, excited, and you know, we're, we'll see how Christmas plays out this year. So let's do this thing. <laughs> well, Nick and Courtney have hope, don't they? They have hope that the delivery of their baby will go smoothly. They have the hope that he will be healthy and strong. They have the hope that they themselves will be good parents. And I can tell you, those are pretty much the common hopes of every set of parents. I know that my wife Carla and I, uh, we had those same hopes when our three children were born. And I can pretty much guarantee you that Mary and Joseph had those same hopes as they traveled into Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Actually, hope has been in existence since the beginning of time after Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin into the world and God followed that up with his promise of hope. People have lived with hope over the centuries. Hope that has been predicted and proclaimed by these guys called prophets, especially like Isaiah, who in chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So in Jesus, we find the fulfillment of all hope. In Jesus, we have the hope of the world. And that was something the angel announced to the shepherds in Luke 2 verse 11. He says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The promise of hope was filled in Jesus. Now, when I use the word hope, and we tend to throw that word around a lot, kind of like what Laura was talking about in a moment ago, 
Um, I think it's important for you to understand that the hope that we are referring to as Christians, when we talk about Jesus being the hope of the world, when we talk about Jesus being one who fulfills all hope for us, it is very different than the hope that many of us have in mind when we use that word. For example, um, sometimes you use the word hope and sometimes it's really just wishful thinking. Kind of like, again, Laura with a little wolf puppy, right? That was wishful thinking that it would become a real puppy. But sometimes, you know, when you're blowing out your candles on your birthday and you say, boy, I hope I have a good year, that's really wishful thinking. Um, when you are looking at your investment portfolio online and you say, man, I hope my stocks keep going up, that's wishful thinking. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, and you've been enjoying their winning season, you might be thinking, I hope they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that would be awesome. But that's wishful thinking. And we just, we don't know. And that's the problem with, with wishful thinking. When it comes to wishful thinking, you have no power to make things go your way. You just don't. So sometimes we use the word hope, and really what we're talking about is wishful thinking. But sometimes you use the word hope, and sometimes it's really just blind optimism. Now, there's nothing wrong being optimistic. I tend to be an optimist. You ask my wife, Carla, she'll say, yep, John's an optimist. But sometimes we optimists can go a little bit too far. Kind of like the poster that was um, put on the outside door of a local grocery store that said, lost, dog with three legs, Blind in left eye, missing right ear, tail broken, answers to the name Lucky. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. You can call that dog Lucky all you want. That is not a lucky dog. Sometimes people are caught up in blind optimism. And the problem with blind optimism is that you end up believing things that are great when they really aren't. You know, blind optimism can cause you to overlook or maybe ignore or just flat out miss situations or problems that really need to be addressed. So, you know, that's another way that the word hope can be used. It's a poor substitute, but sometimes people will use hope in that way as well. Sometimes, though, you can use hope when sometimes it's really just ambitious dreams. Ambitious dreams can be, uh, you know, the resolutions that you make on New Year's. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with setting goals and then striving to meet those goals. But the problem with ambitious dreams is that you're restricted by your own limitations and things that are outside of your control. For example, if I started practicing shooting hoops here in our gym, and if I practice shooting hoops day in and day out, that does not mean that I'm going to realize my ambitious dream of playing in the NBA with LeBron James next season. Because A, I'm almost 60, and B, I have a real hard time getting that goofy orange ball in the hoop. But that could be an ambitious dream. And sometimes, and let me just get a little bit more serious. Sometimes people have ambitious dreams when it comes to their jobs. And we know, don't we? Millions of people were furloughed from their jobs because of COVID-19. And they probably had ambitious dreams of climbing the corporate ladder or maybe even early retirement. Uh, but these people lost their jobs. And it wasn't, you know, their, their, their dreams were shattered because they lost their jobs. And it wasn't because their dreams were bad. It's just that things happened that were outside of their control. 
So there are different ways that people use the word hope. And what I want to do is contrast that with biblical hope. Because for many people, they'll talk about hoping as something that you do. You know, in the Bible, it talks about hope as something you have. Something that you own and you possess. It's something that Jesus came to this earth 2,000 years ago to bring and restore in the hearts and the lives of everybody everywhere. So if you want a good definition of hope, here it is. It is the confident expectation that God will fulfill his promises. Okay, that's hope. Actually, as Mark pointed out a moment ago in that reading from 1 Peter 1, it is a living hope. That's what the Bible calls it. Because it is directly connected to the resurrection of our living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I realize that right now, you know, we are getting prepared for Christmas, right? Our hearts and our minds are focused on Christmas. We got Christmas shopping to do, Christmas baking to do, Christmas presents to buy. We got all this Christmas stuff going on. But you ought to understand, as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus, Jesus' birth means nothing without his resurrection. Okay, understand that. The cradle is nothing without the empty tomb. Let me read this passage again from 1 Peter 1.3. In his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through his resurrection, Jesus Christ proved, demonstrated beyond a shadow of a doubt that not only is he the long-awaited, long-hoped-for Messiah, but he's also God. And because he's God... He's going to keep his promises. Promises like the fact that he will change and transform your heart. Promises like he will guide you through uh, the, uh, the instabilities of life, like a pandemic. Uh, promises like he will work good in those difficult times of life. Promises like he'll forgive you. He'll wash away the stain of your guilt. He'll plant in your heart the promise of an eternity with him in heaven. So... Yeah, while we are celebrating Christmas and celebrating the birth of Christ, and rightfully so, rightfully so, let's keep in mind that just as Christmas is a historical event that happened in time 2,000 years ago, Jesus' resurrection is also a historical fact, a historical event that happened, and it's that event that sealed Jesus' identity as God. The only God, a God who loves you, and who came to this earth to give and restore in your heart hope. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And what this verse is saying is that while hope in and of itself has no power, when it is anchored in Jesus Christ, boy, it becomes a real and tangible source of power for you. So what I'd like to do in the time that I got left is just share with you two reasons why you can draw hope from Jesus as you prepare to celebrate this Christmas and move into the new year of 2021. First reason why you can have hope is because you have been absolved of your past. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God has completely and totally removed all your sins. You are forgiven. You have been absolved of your past. In Lamentations 3, it says this, 
This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. In other words, this is why I have hope, okay? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Wow. Because of Jesus' willingness to leave heaven and come to this earth and be born in a manger for you. Because of his willingness to live a life of perfect obedience for you. Because of his willingness to suffer and die on the cross for you. You can live now with restored hope. Now, yes, there will be times when you will fail God in the future. Count on it. There will be times when you will fail other people. Count on that too. But remember what this verse says. You can see it on your screen. It reminds us that God's compassions are a renewable resource. Okay, they will never be exhausted. They, they, they will never run out. His mercies are new every single day. Wow. When I was growing up in Parma, uh, I was in elementary school. Uh, my dad was a senior pastor at uh, Bethany Lutheran Church on Ridge Road there. We lived in the parsonage right next to the church, and the backyard was a fairly nice-sized backyard. And, and so a lot of the kids in the neighborhood would come to our backyard, and that's where we would play different kinds of games. One of the games that we would play was wiffle ball. Now, as we were hitting, of course, away from the house toward the backyard, um, the, to the right was a large maple tree. That was first base. The base of the tree was first base. And it, was, it straddled the neighbor's yard, so it was far enough away where we weren't too close together. But the, we would run to that, of course, and then touch the base. And that was, that, again, the tree was first base. But because it, there was a tree there, there were some branches. Now, the, the tree was very old. It was a very mature tree, so the branches were pretty high up, but some were still hanging down. And so that meant that every now and then, a person would hit the ball, and we'd go up into the branches, and we'd knock around, and sometimes it made it easier to catch, which wasn't fair. Sometimes it made it harder to catch, which, again, wasn't fair. So everybody knew that if the ball got hit and went up into the tree branches, everybody knew to yell out, do over, do over, do over. And then you got to hit the ball again. You got another shot at it. It's as if that previous hit had never happened. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth and he entered into the do-over business. Honestly, if Jesus had a business card, it would read, Jesus of Nazareth, official giver of do-overs. Because <laughs> that's what he came to do. Right? He came to give forgiveness, to remove the guilt of, uh, of, of your heart and your life as if it had never happened. And, and that's huge because Satan loves to whisper in your ear saying, oh, no, 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 not after that. Who do you think you are? God's not going to give you a do-over for that. And that's just not true. Remember the previous verse? God's compassions never fail, right? His mercies are new every morning. Because of the blood of Jesus, God erases the stain of your sin. And here's where I'm going with this. As you're sitting there watching me right now, I want to challenge you to ask God for a do-over. Just do that right now. I don't know what you might be carrying around with you. Maybe you've been carrying something for years. Maybe you've been carrying around guilt for something that you did long ago. Maybe it was how you spoke to your kids when they were growing up and when they were younger. Maybe it's how you've been treating your spouse in your marriage all these years. Maybe it's how you acted toward a friend just the other day. Maybe it's the fact that you've been cutting corners on the job. Or you've been cheating on some school assignments. Or maybe you've let your relationship with Jesus slide. Whatever it is, 
I just, I want you to understand. I want you, I want to challenge you to not carry that guilt into the new year. Don't, don't spend the next 365 days carrying something that God is willing to forgive. Remember, God's in the do-over business. He wants to give you hope, the hope of a fresh start. So as you're sitting there watching me right now, here's what I'd like you to do. And you don't have to bow your head and close your eyes to do this. If there's other people there, you don't have to say anything out loud. Just as you're watching me, just in your heart, say, God, I am so sorry. I, for Jesus' sake, forgive me of everything I've done wrong. And, and God, be my anchor. Be my source of hope. And then just trust that that's exactly what God is going to do. He's going to give you that do-over. That Jesus, remember, is the God of the do-overs. And that he came 2,000 years ago to give you this amazing gift called hope. Right, the hope that you have been absolved of your past. But there is a second hope that you can draw from Christ as we prepare for Christmas this year. And it's the fact that you are assured of your future. You can be assured through faith in Christ that this life that you enjoy isn't all there is. There's something far better, something far greater, something more. And it's the eternity that God offers to you in Jesus. What's so stunning is that one out of six people in America don't believe that. And you might be sitting there scratching your head, go, well, then what do they do? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they engage in wishful thinking and say, oh, maybe I'll be reincarnated or maybe God will let me in. I don't know. Maybe they'll engage in blind optimism and say, well, you know, I'm not going to worry about that. Maybe by the time I get sick and I'm about to die, they'll have a cure for it. Okay. Maybe they'll engage in ambitious dreams and they'll say, well, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. I'm going to cut my cholesterol in half and I'm going to extend the span of my life through self-sacrifice and self-control and hard work. And okay, you know, those things might work for a while, but they still don't change that ugly statistic of death, that it plays a perfect game, right? Death impacts Everybody, 100% of the time. So, so how you face death is going to tell you a whole lot about how you're going to live this life. And I'll tell you right now, when you can live in that confident hope that your eternity, your future eternity with God is secure because of Jesus, it will give you a sense of confidence and boldness for the here and now. Honestly, you won't worry another second about your future because you know that it's wrapped up in Jesus. It's a done deal. In Titus 3, it says this, God saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. The hope of an eternity in the presence of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's a sure thing. It's a done deal. It's real. It's rock solid. It's true. It's going to happen. Now, even though we deserve to be separated from God forever, because of his love for us, because of Jesus' willingness to come to this earth, to live, to die, and to rise again, 
you have and can have and can live with hope. With hope. Christmas is less than two weeks away. And as you take the time to to prepare your heart and mind for the coming of God's gift in Jesus, I, I also ask that you would take time to praise God for the gifts that Jesus came to bring. Those gifts, like joy experienced, peace restored, and of course, a hope delivered, or hope restored. And I hope you join us next week as we, as we continue and look at a love freely given. I, I, you don't want to miss that. So just in closing, let me just um, challenge you in a couple of ways this week. First of all, let me challenge you to avoid wrong uses of the word hope and to instead live in biblical hope. Avoid those poor substitutes, wishful thinking, blind optimism, ambitious dreams, whatever. Build your life on the rock-solid hope that is yours in Jesus Christ. Second, connect with God and thank Him for the do-overs that you have in Jesus. Take time this week and just breathe a prayer of thanksgiving for the fact that your guilt can be removed forever. Right? That through Jesus' life and death, you have been absolved of your past and your future eternity is secure. Third, treat, um, trust Jesus to be your anchor for 2021. As you move into 2021, and I'm so glad 2020 is almost over. What a lousy year. 2021 cannot be worse, right? But even then, if, it doesn't even matter. Put your anchor, your, put the anchor of your hope, anchor your hope in Jesus. And just know that regardless of what might happen, you have a God who loves you and his compassions never fail. For you, they are new every morning. All right, would you pray with me, please? Father, you are fully aware of all the things that we have done wrong in our life. And, and each one of us here right now watching if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to admit that, yeah, we should be separated from you forever. That's what we deserve. But Heavenly Father, in your Son, Jesus Christ, you give us hope. So fill us with that gift this Christmas. And remind us that through his death and resurrection, our lives can be transformed and our eternity rewritten. So Father, help us, not just this Christmas, but every day, to thank and praise you for your marvelous gift of hope. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' great name. Amen.